It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Good to see you all this morning. Uh, first Sunday of a brand new month. And uh, what we like to do first Sunday of each month is celebrate what God's done through our podcast uh, in the previous month. So happy to celebrate with you and announce that uh, we had it through November, uh, average of 100 downloads a day, uh, which is great through that month um, across 25 countries, including a new country that's joined uh, our podcast family, the Seychelles. Anyone been to the Seychelles? Nobody been? Or not recently, obviously. I mean, sheesh. All right. Well, anyway, just uh, benvenue to the people from the Seychelles. Great to have you. Uh, well, you can ask the internet if you don't know where it is. Um, I'm not the internet. Uh, don't be lazy. Anyway, um, but hey, how about we welcome our podcast family today? It's great to have you here as we continue a series that we launched two weeks ago called Good News. And uh, this series is actually a, a kind of a deep dive that we're taking through a letter that Paul wrote to the church, the early church in Rome. Now, Paul kind of founded uh, a lot of the churches we know uh, in that time, uh, right after Jesus' death and resurrection. This was one that he didn't uh, found. And in fact, not only did he not kind of launch it, he hadn't even been there. So it seems that he felt some kind of responsibility to write a letter to them that's it was instructive. And in fact, the letter is kind of like this sweeping overview of what it, it means for Jesus having come into the world, died on a cross, risen from the dead, and, and the implications of that for us in an everyday life. So it's super, super practical. In fact, we started where Paul started uh, with his letter, week one, the good news about Jesus. I mean, of course you tee off there. And the idea that we uh, were living under bad news, separated from God, God took it on Himself to make things right by sending His Son Jesus and by us having faith in Jesus and putting our faith in Jesus, things are made right. So that was week one. You can go back and listen to that. Last week, we talked about the good news about life change, that where you are doesn't have to be where you'll end up. For all of us, God both... Uh, points us to living right and then also empowers us with the ability to live right. And so our responsibility is to, is to like lean into the things that He offers us to help us with life change. Today, we are talking about the good news about joy. Insert rhetorical question, who doesn't want more joy in their life? Hello. Yeah. Hey, listen, parents, those of you that are parents, whether you know, now you've got young kids or they've grown up, either way, you'll remember toilet training, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll have some very vivid memories of toilet training. Here's the thing about toilet training. When Junior does, you know, eventually gets to where you're sitting them on the, the toilet and actually most of the contents of their bowels or their bladder land inside the toilet, you know, you remember, you celebrate it like they've just found a cure for cancer. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Most of those things went into the bowl. That's fantastic. You've just done exactly what hundreds of thousands of kids over thousands of years have all done. Wow. And they're like, 
I don't understand why mum and dad's so excited, but I like it. I'm gonna do this tomorrow. And you're like, yes, yes, that's what we wanna hear. And, and the reason you're so excited and the reason you go out of your way to make a big deal about this is that inherently you understand a very important life principle. And that life principle is simply this, what gets celebrated gets replicated. Now, great leaders and great managers know this. Great parents know this. Great teachers know this. That, that it's incumbent on us if we want a certain behavior and want to establish a certain culture within our workplace, our family, our homes, etc. We look for people doing the right thing and go out of our way to make a big deal about that and help them understand why that matters and why it is such a great thing that they're doing because what gets celebrated gets replicated and we wanna see more of that particular behavior. So we celebrate it. Now where this principle gets most airplay is about us celebrating the, the good, the right behavior of others. What's often overlooked is this principle actually applies to us in our own life and minds and hearts as well. That there's this actual promise of more joy, but the, 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 the promise of more joy is actually upstream, is based on what we choose to celebrate in our own narrative. What we tend to focus on and celebrate will or won't produce joy downstream depending on whether we're focusing on and celebrating the right things. So what I wanna to do today, and we're taking the next step through Paul's letter to the church in Rome, is actually just unpack a few of the things that Paul recommended that we celebrate. And, and he makes the promise that if we choose to celebrate these things, focus on them and celebrate them, that those very things and that, and that practice will lead to more joy because what gets celebrated gets replicated. So if you've got your Bible app or your Bible, how about you pop that open? And by the way, we also will put it on the screens and you're like, well, why would I then bother opening my phone? I mean, it's like, first of all, it's not a big chore. But secondly, you can actually highlight uh, verses and words in the Bible app and on your own Bible too. God doesn't disapprove. Um, so just, you know, some of that's a good practice. You're like, oh man, that's really powerful. I'm gonna highlight that so it's there when I go back to it. So there's a little pro tip. Now, I'm gonna jump us into chapter five today. The first four chapters, the overriding theme, the big brain Bible scholars uh, suggest Paul's big theme for the first four chapters is faith. Now, the next four chapters, chapters five through eight, Paul kind of turns a corner and he's gonna now start talking about life. This is one of those what, so what, now what kind of things. Like our faith matters and now I'm gonna talk about the now what and the so what, why it matters, how it actually has impact Monday through Sunday in our everyday lives. So super, super, super practical. Now, I recommend you read verses six, this is homework, six through eight yourself. I don't have the time to go into that today, um, but I'm gonna drop us back to verse one. But here's the thing, the headline of this chapter, chapter five in the New Living Translation is this, faith brings joy. So Paul already, he's leaning into this idea that the thing I've been talking about and writing about to now, faith, one of the downstream benefits of faith is it actually can bring joy. Now, hey, it's the headline for a reason because I hope it kind of 
whets your appetite, some compelling, you know, leading with that. That's what headlines are, are all about. And, and actually, I'll just quickly fly over and then we'll go back and take a deep dive into them. But here's some of the things that Paul, straight off the bat in this chapter, encourages us to focus on and celebrate. Listen to these. Celebrate the fact that we have peace with God. All right. Celebrate the fact that we stand in grace. Celebrate the fact that we joyfully look forward to God's glory. And then there's this clangor. Celebrate and rejoice in sufferings. And it's like, Paul just threw a wet blanket over that list. I wish he just stuck with the top three. So I'm gonna circle back to that one because that one looks like it doesn't belong in this list, obviously. But this is what Paul starts off in chapter five. Therefore, in other words, all the things I've just been written about, all the things I've just been instructing you about, because of that stuff, because that stuff's true, this is what, this is what it means in our life. Since we've been made right in God's sight by faith. Now, okay, I'll just hang on the ellipsis there. Uh, I haven't got to the life application bit yet, but I kind of have. This phrase, made right, in other translations, it's the word justified. Now, that word is a legal term. That word applied in this context, it actually points to the idea that somebody who is guilty, right, who did the crime, somebody has decided that they don't have to do the time that they are being acquitted. Yes, they're guilty. Yes, they committed the crimes. But just despite the fact that they committed the crime, we've decided that they don't have to do the time. And if you're a justice-minded person, this concept probably rips your undies because justice people are all about, you did the crime, you have to do the time, right? Except, except when you read this and you realize that you're the guilty one that Paul's writing about, and I am too, and that because of what Jesus did, God decided that we did the crime, but Jesus did the time. That we made the mess and God cleaned it up. And when you read that and look at it through that lens, maybe all of a sudden, yeah, maybe I'm not such a justice person after all. You know, at least when it comes to me. And this is, the, this is why it's such great news. It's like, you were guilty. Yeah, I know. And I'm gonna let you off. I'm gonna send Jesus to take the punishment in your place. And you're like, really? Oh, well, that is good news, right? So there's this word, justified, which also is one of my favorite TV shows in recent years. Uh, so here's the thing to celebrate. Celebrate being made right with God. We say, we sing this song, this is my testimony. Not gonna sing it. Uh, we say, I'm justified. It's like, oh, now I know what that means. So next time we sing it, it's our testimony. If we've placed our faith in Jesus, we've been made right with God. That right off the top is something to celebrate. So therefore, all the faith stuff, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, here's Paul's next one. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And this is not a feeling of peace. He's not talking about a feeling of peace. He's actually talking about a restoration of relationship. 
The bad news because of things that we've said, thought, done in our past that are less than God's best, aka sin. We had distance, we had separation from God and we couldn't close that gap because all that stuff was in the way. So God, the good news is He took it upon Himself to send Jesus into the world to die in our place. And because of that, see, put it say that uh, we have everything all right, but He said we have been made right and we have peace with God because of Jesus. God set things right, even though we didn't deserve it. Now, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here. And I'm going to, I don't know, I'm just going to speculate. I'm going to speculate that some of you married people, you actually understand how this particular scenario works in real life. You know, those of you that have ever said something really dumb to your spouse, that's probably on the don't say that list, like high on the don't say that list. Or maybe this, this is one, maybe there's something that you haven't done that you probably ought to have done. You know, like remember and celebrate your anniversary. Just start, just, you know, anniversary, stuff like that. I don't know. And if you've ever done that, I'm not going to assume you all have. The perfect ones of you haven't, but you know, the rest of us, we've done stuff like We said something and it's like, oh my God, really? Or just forgotten to do something. You understand that the, the immediate aftermath of you committing that heinous crime, in the immediate aftermath, you are completely helpless as to what happens next. In, in fact, your best next play is to shut up and then just spend your time hoping and praying that your spouse will forgive you. But you can't, you have no power. All the power is it rests in their hands. And you gave it to them because you were an idiot. And if minutes, hours, days, weeks, months later, your spouse says, you know, when you said that stupid thing, yeah, how can I forget? Uh, you know, when you didn't remember our anniversary? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna forgive you. And you're like, really? Phew. See, you... That's a glimpse, a glimpse, just a glimpse of what God's actually done for us. That, that, that He's extended that grace and forgiveness despite the fact that we didn't deserve it. Because yes, we did the crime. Jesus did the time. And because of that, we have peace with God. So there's another thing that Paul says that we can celebrate. All right. Here's the next one. Any Disneyland people here? Or just any Disney people? Disney people here? Disney? Yeah, we've all assumed that. Any other than the beanbags? Any Disney people here? I'm not. Now I'm not talking like like Disney fanatics. Just like yeah, I like me a bit of Disney. Any Disney people? I get Disney. Great, great, great. Disneyland. Their uh, Disney Empire's first theme park, uh, Disneyland, just outside of Los Angeles, is is self-proclaimed as the happiest place on earth. 
I'm not sure you get to say that about your own place because it should be what other people say about your house. But they say it's the happiest place on earth. And Louis had it on her bucket list to go there one day. Fair enough. Now, uh, I had been uh, to previously to Florida on a work trip and I'd been to Disney World and within Disney World, there's a replica of Disneyland. And so I'd been there. And, and uh, here's one thing I'd experienced about my time at Disney World is that uh, one of the less... Uh, exciting parts of a visit to a Disney theme park is crowds. See, because this is because because here's how it plays out: crowds equal lines, and lines equal waiting. And I can tell you, just speaking for myself here, I hate waiting. Hate it. So you know. We, we were in Southern California and we had just one day free. We're there on a ministry trip. We had one day free. So we're like, okay, that's the day that we're gonna go to Disneyland. Just that day. We couldn't go the day before. We couldn't go the day after. Just that day. And uh, Louis's like, oh man, finally. She's 26 at the time. Finally, I'm going to Disneyland. Woohoo! And I'm like, Ugh. I felt like a, re- a responsibility to kind of temper her expectations just like, you know, sweetheart, I've been to the other one and I just, I just need to let you know something. I mean, I, look, I'm not saying it's not the happiest place on earth, but I'm just saying that <laughs> there's probably going to be crowds because it's just, there just is. And, and the thing about crowds is crowds equal lines. And the thing about lines is lines equal waiting. And who wants to be waiting? Plus, by the way, it was July. July in Southern California is peak summer. So every minute you're standing in a line waiting in the happiest place on earth, you are literally melting, just like gradually melting. And uh, it's like, well, you know, whatever, we're still gonna go. So we drove into the parking lot, no cars anywhere. And I'm like, ah, great closed who I didn't know they closed Disneyland but quiet please (laughs) not true by the way but stand by for that reveal I'm like no 2005 Uh, stop it um no signs up. See, Disney's actually a pretty organized company. And if they were closed, they would have put up at least one sign saying closed today. No signs. So I'm like, all right, let's just press on. So I parked our rental car as close to the front entrance as actually geographically possible, just because I could. And uh, we walked the 20 yards to the front entrance. No crowds. Walked in, paid our money, kept walking, walked straight up to the first ride, got on it, like without skipping a beat. And, and did the ride. And we're like, all right, next, went to the next ride. Same thing. No crowds, no lines, got on, ridden, boom, down, off. Third ride. And then I'm like, wow. This... And, but we didn't say anything to anyone because we didn't want to jinx it. It's like, how good is this? And uh, so, okay, take a break from rides. Just let the adrenaline kind of settle down. You know, it's a long day. You've got to pace yourself. And so, uh, so we decided to uh, take a little side a visit to one of the merch stores, one of the many merch stores. Now, when you walk into a Disney merch store, it's kind of like what you'd expect. It's pretty Mickey Mouse up. It's everything is black and white and red with a few pops of yellow, okay? That's just it. Like, we walked into this merch store and we were met with a sea of gold. And I'm like, gold? What? <sighs> 
So I said to, you know, one of the attendants comes up and says, oh, you know, can I help you? Or they call them cast members. Uh, can I help you? I need that. Uh, anyway. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we say, so what's the, what's the deal? What's, what's, what's with all the gold stuff? And she says, oh, actually, tomorrow, tomorrow is the beginning we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the opening of Disneyland. And it's actually, we're calling the celebration the happiest homecoming on earth. It's gonna run for 18 months. And so tomorrow's day one and we've launched all this brand new gold themed merch because 50 anniversary, it's gold theme. And I'm like, okay, all right. And I said to, to where is everyone? And she said, oh, actually, this is what happened. Yesterday, we closed the theme park for the entire day so that we could zhuzh it up with all of the brand new features and decorations and paraphernalia and merch. And today, today's like the test day to make sure everything's working, to make sure everything's where it needs to be. And we've spent millions of dollars promoting tomorrow promoting tomorrow. So all of the residents of, uh, of California who have uh, family memberships, all of the Disney files from around the world, they're all coming tomorrow. All of the hotels are fully booked. Everything's for, everyone's waiting until tomorrow. And just so happens that you're here today and you're getting all of the same experience and visuals and merch and benefits that you would be getting if you're coming tomorrow. And I'm like, but without the crowds. And I'm like, I know, this is amazing. And I can confirm that Disneyland is the happiest place on earth when there's no crowds. Here's a photo of the very next day where people, where people were now wearing what we, what we had owned for 36 hours at this point. And I'm like, this does not look like the happiest place on earth. That just looks miserable to me. I mean, come back. If you ever think you're going to get reincarnated, come back as an ant, this is your life right here, okay? Then, and, we, and so we just kept on going. Every ride, no lines. Every eating outlet, no lines, no crowds, no lines, no waiting, no crowds, no lines, no waiting. Trying to get through everything in a Disney theme park in a day, all the rides, all the shows, all the exhibitions, all the merch opportunities, uh, photos with random uh, known cast members, Donald Duck kind of thing that pop up around the place as, as you go through the day. All of that is normally, on average, about a 12-hour marathon, give or take. We finished that bad boy in four hours flat. Normally, when it comes to the end of the day, you're just doing this. You're just knuckle dragging. Oh, we survived. Oh, yeah, happiest place on earth for the first seven hours. And it's like... And, but, but there was one more thing. And Louis was like, oh, I really, really, really wanted, I really wanted to see Mickey and, and, and see Mickey and get a photo taken with Mickey. And we're walking to the exit gates and she's a bit like, oh, dang. And who was standing right at the exit gates? Yes, Mickey Mouse. And Louis is like, yes, yeah, so it's happening. And it's like, however, however, for the first time, on that day, she had to stand in line 
<laughs> behind one seven-year-old girl. And I think Louis was actually tempted to kick this girl's legs from out from under her, so she went, but she didn't. And uh, here's, uh, here's a photo of Louis with Mickey Mouse just at the exit gates. I know, how cute is that? Which, by the way, apologies for the picture quality. It was 2005, and, and I took this photo, wait for it, Jared, on a Motorola flip phone camera. Yeah, I know, right? So actually, surprised that you can even recognize either of those two in that photo, but, but there we go. <laughs> now, I understand with that experience that Louis and I actually can take no credit whatsoever. We just literally fluked it, right? Which is very different from when you've put in the work. You know, you've put in the time, the effort, the sweat equity, and something turns out great. When you've done that, or I've done that, it's actually kind of almost natural and I guess explainable that you might take the credit. You might go, how clever am I? How hardworking am I? And you get, you get what you deserve and you're like, Come on, pin the medal on, I'm ready. However, our Disneyland experience and actually what Paul's writing to the church in Rome is all to underscore that we can take no credit, that we did no work. In fact, we didn't even deserve it and we got the benefits. Look at this. And I tell you before, you might wanna underline some parts in your Bible. Listen to what Paul says. Our life looks like now that we've placed our faith in Jesus. Listen to, this, listen to this language. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this, hello, listen, place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Place of undeserved privilege privilege. And unlike our Disney experience, which for a day was a place of undeserved privilege, Paul's saying it's not a day trip. It's our new position in life. It's now where we stand. It's now as sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we now stand in a place of undeserved privilege. Oh, and by the way, don't forget, you didn't deserve it. Don't forget, you did nothing to earn it, but you've got it anyway. Good news. All right. And I said I'd circle back to the other one that Paul talked about. I might need to put my ears on for this. This is pretty hard to take. Not really. It actually doesn't fit my gigantic head. Um, my, my head's as big as Mickey Mouse. Um, these are Louis. Uh, all right. Paul is about to also encourage us, instruct us to rejoice in our sufferings. And you're like, say what? We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. And by the way, if you know something about Paul's life, he ran into a lot of problems and trials. So this wasn't theoretical for him. For we, oh, ah, okay, here's why. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So Paul actually outlines a, a, a process that God can actually jumpstart in us, which begins with us encountering and running into problems and trials. But that very thing, if we hang in there, 
and simply say, God, do your work in me through this situation. Paul highlights what that's going to look like, what the process is. He starts with this idea that sufferings will develop endurance. Now, if you've ever like started running or resumed running after a significant break, you understand that the first few runs, maybe a few weeks, every step is suffering. Ouch, 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 ouch. Why can't I breathe? Ouch, ouch, ouch. Still can't breathe. Ouch, ouch. Why am I doing this? Ouch, still can't breathe. And the reason that that suffering at the beginning is because you haven't yet developed the endurance. And you're not gonna develop the endurance if you just tap out. That's just the, that's how, that's why it's called endurance because you have to endure. But by enduring, we develop endurance. It actually starts to come out. And if you hang it, you start to, dare I say it, maybe one day even start to enjoy running. But, but that didn't happen in 24 hours, in one run, in one month likely, and whatever it is. So, so sufferings, if we endure them, if we say, God, I'm gonna hang in there, I'm not gonna tap out, do what you, do what you have in mind to do, I'm gonna endure it. And, and by just the very act of enduring, I'm gonna develop endurance. And then Paul says, and then endurance actually helps us develop a strength of character. Now, a couple of months ago, uh, hanging out with one of our team and uh, they were going through this kind of like major like quicksand funk ugh, experience with their, their business that they own. And uh, we're just riffing about that and, you know, and talking like, uh, how's it going and, and how, you, how you're handling it. And they weren't handling it very well. I mean, that was their honest confession that there were sleepless nights and lots of anxiety and stress. And, and uh, they, they asked, this team member asked me, going back to a, a story that I shared when I preached about Hurt a few weeks ago in our All the Fields series about when I got fired from a job. And they asked me like, how did you get through that? Which by the way, just the fact that they asked that question is full kudos to them. Like, I, I, I'm gonna go through this experience, but I also wanna learn from someone else who's gone through a, you know, bulging, ugly experience. And, and that'll maybe, maybe help me go through it. I'm not tapping out, I'm hanging in there. But, and, and, I, and I said to them, the first thing I said to them was, uh, and they're in their late 20s. When I had my uh, funky experience, I was 40. And I said to them, the first thing you need to understand is I had 12 years of this that you haven't yet gone through. And I can't fast track you to that place, you know. And maybe if I'd gone through my deal when I was in my late 20s, I, I might, might not have handled it very well at all. Um, and, and so this is a life thing because problems and trials will just keep coming. Like waves crashing on the shore, they'll keep coming. And yet every time they do, if we hang in there and say, God, do in me what it is you wanna do in me, we will get more endurance than the last problem and trial. We will develop more strength of character than we had going into the last trial. And this process will be cumulative if we allow God to do that. And, and, and there's, no, there's no shortcuts to this. There's no uh, scratch and win lottery ticket that just magically kind of drops this into your life. This is, this is the weeks, the months, the years of every time you come into a problem and trial, uh, 
We say, God, I want you to do your work in me of building endurance and building strength of character. And then Paul says, then that ultimately leads us to hope, which is, is worth celebrating. So when Paul said, rejoice in our sufferings, it's, it's because they're the gateway to this. And, 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 and let's be honest, on the surface, it's probably those four things, it's probably only the first one that we don't want. <laughs> like we'll take the other three, right? But they don't come for free. They don't come like, they, they come presented to us as an opportunity, but they do come with some pain and some suffering involved as well. So there we go. The good news about joy. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.